To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. No, I probably had COVID like 74 times. I have no clue and I don't care. Everybody liked Blanche. Because Blanche was a pig who took it in the ass. Did you smell your poop? Did you learn anything? Did you read about the dog story? Why the f*** is my ex-girlfriend who I despise calling me? A lot to blame on the news. It's a lot to blame on Anthony Fauci, that Italian leprechaun. Almost like it never existed, but it fucking did. So do me a favor. Go f*** yourself. JayAirPositiveSarcasm.com from Spare Parts Studio, License Scratch here. Donate PositiveSarcasm.com slash donate. Any amounts appreciated. Merchware is available at the website. Go to PositiveSarcasm.com. Click on the Merchware page, and you'll find some flip-flops. You'll find some other things of your delight. Go ahead and check them out. That's one way of supporting this platform. PositiveSarcasm.com slash donate, of course, is the standard operating procedure. But, of course, if you want to jump yourselves into the stock market, go ahead. There's a Weeble affiliate link in the description down below you'll get free stocks i'll get free stocks it's one way of supporting this platform and getting yourself started for when the bull run begins hello everybody it's a new start to another week where there's more news about this stuff that's spewed about in many different angles so that you can be confused and it pushes you to only argue with your friends and relatives well here's another stinker we've got to talk about here before we get to this week's actual article here this week's topic of consideration Mm. Um, I like to get my dog's treats. We all like to get our doggy buggy treats. And I got him some of these free-range steak chews, single-source proteins, courtesy of Wild Eats. And uh, what's – okay, so you obviously – I was at Home Goods. Shout out to Home Goods. Uh, steak chews. Now, hand-cut and slow-roasted. Very nice. Free range and grass fed. All right. Gluten and grain free. Okay, my mom can eat them. Antibiotic free, no added hormones. 12 ounces. Uh, it looks, and it's good to see. Ingredients water buffalo meat, crude protein, crude fat, crude fiber, moisture, calorie contents 31 calories per piece, which is actually not bad. Sustainably sourced with natural ingredients. Our natural treats come from a free-range, grass-fed water buffalo raised by a small-scale farmers in the same manner they have for centuries. Uh, comes from India. Quote, not for human consumption. So it comes from India. No artificial pre- preservatives, colors, or flavors. Water buffalo treats encourage positive chewing that fulfills your dog's natural instinctive behavior. Each purchase of wild buffalo products... Wild water... Of wild eats water buffalo products support small, sustainable farmers. Intended for supplemental feeding only, not as a replacement for dog food. Always supervise your pet while chewing and provide plenty of water after feeding. If sharp edges or splinting occurs, remove from pet. Remove if pet attempts to swallow whole. Wash hands after handling a product. Oh, that last part. Wash hands after handling a product. So, these things, like I said, they're hand-cut, slow-roasted, free-range, grass-fed, gluten-and-grain-free, antibiotic-free, and then no added hormones. There's only one small problem. When I open the package and smelled these things it smelled like a bear's ass (coughs) 
Oh. <laughs> That's disgusting. I mean, now that I opened that, I'm going to have to open up a window in here. Whew, get that out of here. Oh my god, it's disgusting. I mean, I love my dog, but literally, it that smells exactly, exactly like when he rolls in bear shit. Now, he doesn't get to do that very often, but there are times when I'm up north and he's running around in the woods and stuff, and I'm watching him, and all of a sudden, I turn away, and then I look back, and I see him rolling around in something, and I know... It's no good. And he comes up to me. He knows. I'm like, what did you do? He knows exactly what he did. And he immediately has to go in the shower. No ifs, ands, or buts. He's covered in bubbles about 45 seconds later. It's disgusting. The odd thing is, is I can't, I don't know if I can feed him these things inside the, inside the studio. Because they smell fucking terrible. I cannot have him feed, eat those on the bed. I cannot have him eat those in the love sack. It had to be done on the floor. And then I have to, like, Windex the floor or something because it's god-awful garbage. But, hey, I love them. So, just to let you know, Wild Eats free-range single-source protein dog treats, steak shoes. Just to let you know, you were warned before you open that package, don't wear a glove or grab with a heavy, heavy napkin before you feed to your dog it's an fyi also it is flea and tick season officially now that the uh the heat is upon us so go ahead and get yourself uh flea and tick stuff and get your get your dog vaccinated against rabies most importantly um you don't want that incident to occur not now not ever but uh i went i'm recommended by uh by people to get a seresto collar um, Soresto collars—they you don't want to touch them with your hands, but apparently they're very good at n not having ticks bury themselves in your dog. Um, so they seem to do the job. They last about eight months. They cost about sixty bucks, maybe a little bit more than sixty bucks. And um, there's been no side effects on Chase. I had—he's—he wore one last year. He had absolutely no problems whatsoever. So I'm absolutely 100% go about giving it to him again. Anyways, we are recorded here from the Spare Parts Studio. I wanted to uh, talk about a different topic this week. Um, something else, something not really, con well, not as controversial as other things that I've been talking about for a while. But I want to get back to, like, movie stuff. And one of my favorite directors of all time um, was James Cameron. James Cameron... Uh, he well, first of all, he's directed some of my favorite movies of all time. He directed Terminator, uh, which he directed Avatar. He directed. Uh, he actually wrote a couple of my favorite movies of all time. Like he did the screenplay and screenplay and stuff. Like um, for example, James Cameron. When he was he was writing three movies at the same time, and there's a, there's an actual list. There's a trivia thing. Um, there it is. A magazine article written about him in the 1980s described how he had three desks set up in his house. At one desk, he was writing the script to The Terminator, one of my favorite sci-fi horror movies, or one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, he was in one, in one desk. He was writing The Terminator, 1984. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. On another, he was writing the script to Rambo, First Blood Part Two, the Vietnam episode. And in the third, he was writing Aliens, where the, the Space Marines. So three different desks. Yeah, three different desks, three different big budget movies. Well, 
Honestly, The Terminator was not a big budget movie, but it became an iconic film. Um, that being said, so yeah, he wrote all three of those. But this is also the same guy who wrote like Titanic and Avatar. I mean, he's definitely, he's very, very good at sci-fi. He's very good at creativity, large scale production and things like that. Um, what was the one thing I also wanted to talk about, James? Uh, Cameron and his vegan thing. His whole, um... Okay. Now, there was a couple articles. One article from Fandom Wire, courtesy of Fandom Wire, by Mabel Andrade, um, where... James Cameron talks about um, a $300 million movie, First Blood Part 2, okay? Where he said it was not... He called the violence amoral. He said it wasn't the film he wrote and what he meant about. Now, on the other hand, he's been quiet... He's been quiet about his dissatisfaction about the cultural climate of Hollywood, especially concerning the representation of women in movies. Okay. So James Cameron who claims he's a radical feminist, a staunch supporter of women's rights. Okay, whatever that means. Um, I think we all support the rights of every of everybody. Uh, but, okay, let's see what he says about the transgender movement, if he's actually a staunch supporter of women's rights. He's famous for populating his works with heroic figures of both sexes, which is true. He made Sigourney Weaver a massive star, a deserved well star, because she was excellent in that second role, in that second movie. Cameron is famous for casting women traditionally male roles in his action films. I think this is one way he could felt he could differentiate himself from other directors. Cameron explained to Vulture that he's basically a pretty hardcore feminist. Okay. Because of his regard for women in Hollywood, he has no problem writing a script where women are in the lead. We'll get back to that in a second. We'll get back to that very shortly. He goes, I'm basically a pretty hardcore feminist. I have no problem writing a script in which males becomes subservient to the females which is what happens in aliens it's up to ripley to win the day there aren't too many male writers and directors who feel comfortable doing that i guess it's deeply hardwired well here's the thing in the movie aliens yes she essentially is the star of the movie but let's be honest here if it wasn't for michael bain's character if it wasn't for the droid uh who showed up at the end of the movie who went and got the space shuttle or went and got the the, uh, the, the, the landing craft um, if it wasn't for the other characters, the other female character in the movie and the other guy with her with the grenade and all the other characters who died throughout the movie if it wasn't for little Newt in that movie she wouldn't have survived at the end, she wouldn't have survived there wouldn't have been an Alien 3 at least there wouldn't have been one uh, with her. Okay, so, but nothing about nothing against like Sigourney Weaver. Nothing against her character. It was an amazing movie. I loved the movie. I uh, loved Sigourney Weaver's character. I loved Sigourney Weaver. I think it was a fantastic film. Okay, and it's basically something that took Alien from this like seven, late seventies, uh, you know, horror movie and made it like James amped it up. But he's talking about. How he uh, he thinks the, the this amoral type of violence. It's like Aliens was a violent movie, a violent violent movie, an us versus them. So I'm not sure what he's talking about. And this is a guy 
who built an entire career on violent action movies. The Terminator. The Terminator, in the first Terminator, he walks into a police department and kills 17 cops. He walks into a nightclub and starts shooting people. What kind of violence? What, kind, what do you mean amoral? Okay, in True Lies, a, a, a dude fires a fucking missile through a hair, uh, from a Harrier jet through a skyscraper and blows up a helicopter. I mean, what are we talking about here? I mean, this is what is it? What do you mean amoral? You first of all, these are the stepping stones. These are the building blocks of your entire career, James, that you use to build, move, make movies like Avatar, like Battle Angel, like fucking um, Titanic. Without these movies, nobody would care about you. Nobody would give a shit about you. So you have to pay respect to those movies. Even if you maybe take some issue with them because they weren't exactly what you intended them to be. These movies are fabulous. Aliens is fabulous. The Terminator is fabulous. But so is First Blood Part 2. He might be pissed off because Stallone rewrote the whole goddamn thing. So, um, it takes more than just changing a gender of a male character to create a strong female protagonist. Collaborating with Sylvester Stallone. James Cameron has collaborated with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone, two of Hollywood's biggest action stars. Since they both, since both he and Schwarzenegger have contributed to the Terminator series, they have worked together extensively. Meanwhile, the impact of his collaboration with Stallone has been minimal. Rambo First Blood Part Two resulted from a minimal collaboration between the two, with James Cameron contributing as a writer. Stallone later rewrote Cameron's script extensively, but the result was a movie that the filmmaker hated. James Cameron said in the LA Times interview that even though he admired the movie's success, the script he wrote the script he wrote was pretty violent and not in not in a such a moral way. Uh, I mean I admire the film's success and I'm happy for everybody involved, but I always have to distance myself from it. It's because it's not the film I wrote. It was substantially rewritten by Sylvester Stallone. The script that I wrote was pretty violent, but not in such a amoral way. Cameron felt the film's nuance and morality had been lost in Sloan's edit. He also thought the final film's violence was amoral or devoid of any sense of right or wrong. James Cameron is highly wide, uh, widely regarded as one of Hollywood's finest directors, so his opinions tend to carry weight. Um, okay. In the movie First Blood Part 2. So first of all, Rambo's, Rambo essentially is a series about a special operations a soldier, Green Beret, who came back from Vietnam, uh, a war that people didn't want, people we, people thought we never should have been a part of, and in my opinion, uh, I kind, I'm also of that per- opinion, where b- b- when the soldiers returned from Vietnam, we treated them essentially like garbage. We treated them like shit. And we, there was no, there's no... We, we didn't do anything about PTSD, proper health treatment for these guys. A lot of them committed suicide. A lot of them came back with severe health problems due to the chemicals they were exposed to. A war we never should have fought, apparently. And it's just, it was a mess. And this movie, the original movie follows him with having, you know, life issues. Apparently, he was going to town, into a town somewhere in, in the Pacific Northwest to see a friend who apparently had died. Um, and so he was kind of drifting through town, kind of to figure out where he was going to go next. And the sheriff of the town didn't take too kindly to drifters. 
and also took reference to the fact that he was also a former military guy. And the cops treated him pretty poorly there. And so they took him in, they beat him up a little bit, and Stallone essentially got some flashbacks and started fighting the cops and essentially escaped from the police department. And then they chased after him, which made him go into essentially war mode. And towards the end, um, because they kept chasing him into the woods, they could have just let him go. He essentially went to war against the town. He didn't kill anybody. Um, he just blew up a few buildings. And then Colonel Troutman, who was the person, was the man who com- commanded him in Vietnam, talked him out of doing any more damage to the town. So essentially, he didn't kill anybody. There was um, some pretty close calls. There was one guy who apparently fell off a cliff. There were. Uh, some guys he got pretty close with and hurt but he said i could have killed you he said he grabbed said that grabbed the sheriff he goes i could have killed you i could have killed them all he said don't push it or i'll give you a war you won't believe but um at the end of this he ends up doing time in like a work camp type thing and then colonel troutman recruits him in the second one to be like listen we have i have an assignment for you there are supposedly pow's in vietnam uh still many years later and we're trying to resolve this issue so okay we got POWs in Vietnam um, he talks to Rambo and says listen this will get you out of here um, it's the first time that really Rambo actually talks in a calm way in the first one he doesn't it's very he, he talks less less and less he has a blow up at the end but in this one it's like it's a very personal, personable interaction between him and Colonel Troutman. So now he gets ready. And, and, and Rambo from its original movie uh, became this very bravado-esque, masculine, uh, action-packed type of thing. A series that really, you know what? We just loved. It was everything that the 80s movies, it was better than most 80s action movies out there. Um, it ranks up there with some of the best action movies of all time. Uh, First Blood Part Two does, uh, like up there with like Predator and stuff like that. Predator was amazing, by the way. So during this movie, we're talking about the immor- it was a moral. Essentially, he was betrayed by he ended up being betrayed by the people who recruited him to go out there and take pictures of the POWs. He was never supposed to find them. He was never supposed to bring them back. And they ended up leaving him behind only to be captured by the Vietnamese army and tortured by the by their Russian allies. And then essentially he goes after he essentially finds a way to escape with the help of a local reconnaissance woman um, who helps him escape who and he helps, you know, kills a few people, gets out of there. And he wants to go back and get the POWs. But during the process of that, the girl, he said, this woman that he apparently falls in love with, who gives gives her his necklace, he, you know, falls in love with her, but she ends up getting shot right then and there, and then it just, he just turns into this killing machine where he's going to take revenge on her, take revenge for her. He becomes Rambo, goes in there, fucks all kinds of shit up, takes on the Russians as well, and then at the end... He rescues, amazingly, all these POWs, brings them back in a helicopter, 
And the way the movie ends, to me, because they're talking about all this technology that they're using, like the technology is going to be the wave of the future, and Rambo, you're essentially an obsolete tool in a, in a future war. Well, the end of the movie changes that, turns that whole premise right on its head. This is one of the greatest scenes in movie history. Take them just like you. I swear to God, I didn't know it was supposed to happen like this. It was just supposed to be another assignment. With all due respect, James Cameron, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. That is one of the coolest, most badass action scenes in or scenes in a fucking action movie ever. Ever. I mean, that is just a burst of anger and vengeance and just truth right there. Honestly, if you didn't write that, you wish you wrote it. <laughs> Is it laughable? Kinda. But it's badass nevertheless. Nevertheless, badass. And it talks, he talks about how he want. you know, when Troutman asks him what do you want, and he's like, I want what they want. These guys who went over there, these boys who went over there and spilled their guts and gave everything they have once. Everything they had, the one chance to give it all they have for whatever reason, because they were asked to because they were told to because in vietnam you were drafted for its country to love them as much as they loved it pretty damn good if you didn't write that you're fucking jealous that you didn't because it was good that movie's awesome it is it is awesome it was a blockbuster success everybody raves about it's fucking sick and it has a bunch of super cool lines like it has some of the best lines um in action movie history like it is it is that good 
Like, it seriously is that good of a fucking action movie. I wouldn't lie to you. So, I get it. There's no female... I don't... Look, females fit in certain action movies. Like, in that movie, that's a James Cameron movie. That is a... Uh, excuse me. That is an that is a Stallone. That's perfect for Sylvester Stallone. That just screams Stallone has to be in that part. Okay. A man who essentially just loses his mind and fucking opens fire on all these computers, almost stabs the dude who essentially betrays him and leaves him to die out in Vietnam. Ripley in Aliens is the perfect person. For that role, could a guy gone? Could a guy been put in that movie? Yeah, I'm sure. But hey, I will not argue at all with Sigourney Weaver's character in that movie. Her, her, essentially, her watching her develop. It, Rambo's character, John Rambo, in that movie is already a fully fledged combat killing machine. He is built for that role, and that takes place years after. Vietnam. So there was there was no really there was really no women in Vietnam. So it's, it's like what we're we gonna do put a woman in that role? No, but that's perfect for John Rambo. He's a full fledged combat soldier, killing machine, special operations, blah blah blah. Aliens is perfect for Sigourney Weaver, a character who was a scientist on a a corporate merchant ship who watched all of her coworkers die. And basically learned how to escape and was, in the second movie, suffering from the same trauma that she saw in the first one. But through that trauma and through that stress, she became something more. She became something bigger than a person who was witnessing all these soldiers die. And these soldiers who had never seen anything before, who were led by a fucking politician, administrative, uh, 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 you know, corporal. Not corporal or lieutenant or whatever the fuck his name was. Um... And they needed leaders, so what she did was she went in there to save those guys, and she made – she became something bigger. She became something awesome. She didn't have any training. She didn't understand how to shoot the gun. She even asks uh, Michael Bynes' character, Corporal Hicks, how to fire the gun, how to use the gun. He shows her how to use the gun. And she doesn't do it in a brash manner. She just – in the movie – builds up a character who you ultimately have the most respect for because she's there to save everyone. She goes out of her way to save everybody's lives. She doesn't kick in the door and become Ripley the super badass, but she becomes something incredible. And she is perfect for that role. You couldn't put Sylvester Stallone in that role or Arnold Schwarzenegger in that role. That role wasn't built for them. That role was perfect for her because there was backstory to that one, John Rambo was a, was a Vietnam veteran. Ripley was a merchant scientist, a, sci- a corporate. She was a scientist. So they come from different. They have back, their backstory is there. It's perfect. I like it. It it doesn't matter, man or woman. It's just they're they're built for those roles. Okay. I have a lot of respect for Ripley because she, aside from you know, um, Star Wars, Princess Leia, Ripley was essentially the first, you know full-fledged lead role uh, action star was a woman. You know, she led that role. She made it like, yeah, we can do it too. And it's not like we can do it in a cheesy way. We're doing it in a serious way. 
It was fantastic. There was, the character of Ripley was capable of so many things. Sigourney Weaver is capable. She's she could do she could do rom com. She could do drama. She can do horror. She can do action. She can do adventure. She did everything. She did, she can do it all. Sigourney Weaver can do it all. You know what she didn't do? It was James Cameron. That's the thing. That's the only thing she didn't do was James Cameron. However, everybody else seemed to. So when James Cameron talks about how he's a radical feminist and he, he, he goes out of his way to have women in the lead roles and work with women a lot, is it because he's a radical feminist and he respects women? Or is it because he just wants hot chick in the front so he can fuck them? You don't believe me? Look at his marriage list. All right, and first of all, hey, good on you, whatever. But at the same time, don't tell me you're some some radical feminist or whatever that means. Just tell me you like hot chicks and lead roles. I, I can understand that. I can relate to that. I get it. But you're married from Sharon. You're married to Sharon Williams, 1978 to 1984, divorced. Gail Ann Hurd, 1985 to 1989, divorced. Catherine Bigelow. August 17th to 1989. August 17th, 1989 to November 10th, 1991. Divorced. Linda Hamilton, Terminator series. Here's a kicker. Linda Hamilton, 1997 to 1999. Divorced. One child. But the thing is, when I go to this, so while directing her in Terminator 2, James Cameron started directing Linda Hamilton in 1990. They married in 1997, divorced and later in 1999. After directing Titanic, James Cameron started dating Susie Amis in 1998. They married on June 4th of 2000. So there's a little bit. When you look at that right here, Susie Amis and Linda, Linda Hamilton. There's some over. There's some you know overlap here. So the question is, James Cameron is he already like looking at other chicks, seeking out other chicks, banging other chicks while he's making these movies? Linda Ham Linda Hamilton was a badass. She, in, just like in Terminator, she was this innocent being who was just couldn't get a date to save her life, uh, was running from this this machine that was trying to kill her, and she all of a sudden becomes a badass in the second one. But it's because through her, through her experience of traveling throughout the Southwest United States, where she learned to shoot guns, where she learned to t do tactical shit. And she understood her role as giving birth to the son of the resistance. She learned to be a more of a badass. Um, she's built for that role. She's perfect. But I'm looking at all like, – that's just the, his marriages. There's a bunch of them here. There's a bunch. There's fucking five – one, two, three, four, five, maybe six uh, 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 marriages. And is it because maybe he's stuck on the movie set all goddamn day? Maybe. I don't know. But the fact is – the guy is fucking all the time. Granted, he's older now, and now he's with uh, a Susie Amos, and they were married in 2000. They've been together like, you know, fucking 20-something years. But he's an older guy. He's an older guy now, and on top of that, he's a fucking hardcore vegan. He's a hardcore vegan, and he also talks about how, like, testosterone is apparently a toxin that needs to leave the body. And then there's another – I mean – the guy is fucking looped, and this doesn't even talk about uh, his relationships. Like, like, there's, there's five marriages here, but what about the other stuff? The people, who, the people who dated on the side or still on the side. 
Did he bang Kate Winslet, Kate Winslet on the set of Titanic? I don't fucking know. I have no idea. He could be just as toxic as... Well, I don't think he's as toxic as Harvey Weinstein. Uh, Harvey Weinstein's pretty fucking toxic. Um, but he could be a very toxic dude. And there's been times on set where people have been frightened of him. There's an article here about uh, James Cameron on set where Kate Winslet was fucking terrified of her. Uh, let's see. Let's see. While Titanic is one of the most successful movies of all time, it was a disaster trying to make it. Since James can be a perfectionist, he put a lot of pressure on his cast and crew. They had to do things the way James wanted, or he would lose his temper. Kate told the L.A. Times, Kate Winslet, who showed her boobies, boobies in that movie, apparently, has a temper like you wouldn't believe. There were times I was generally frightened of him. Kate was afraid she was going to drown sometimes when they were filming the scenes with water, and she got pneumonia from being in the water so long. She even had bruises all over her from trying to do the complex, dangerous scenes in the movie. Yeah, so obviously he demanded a lot from his uh, from his stars, who get paid a shitload of money, you know. And I, in you know, my opinion, if you're going to do a movie and make a shitload of money, take a beating. You're going to have plenty of money to freaking heal afterwards. But he would put in 20-hour days. He, Like I said, he would shout and scream. Uh, he had a huge temper and would do anything to get a shot. Um, the reason he likes to do everything himself, he could be a perfectionist. He obviously has a talent. When he, directed, when he directed the legendary Titanic movie, he was brutal to his cast and crew. According to fandom, the shoot was an Ardu arduous, arduous experience that cemented Cameron's formidable reputation as the scariest man in Hollywood. He became known as an uncompromising, hard-charging perfectionist and a 300-decibel screamer, a modern-day Captain Bly with a megaphone and a walkie-talkie, swooping down into people's faces on a 162-foot crane. He's a psychopath. He's a fucking psychopath. He's one of the greatest directors of all time, and he's an absolute fucking lunatic. Now... I get it. He likes to do things himself. He's an iconic director. I get it. Like, like I said, he made some of the most, my most favorite movies of all time to this day. Okay? An absolute badass. But he's no different than the actors he's, he's yelling at. I mean, did, did you ever see the movie uh, The Abyss in 1989? Uh, I believe that movie went for a loss. There's rumors that Ed Harris wanted to punch him uh, – or punched James Cameron in the face. People almost drowned on set. Ed Harris cried uh, on leaving set one day. Um, there, there are other cast members to this day who refuse to talk about the movie. Ed Harris didn't talk about the movie The Abyss for almost 20 fucking years because of – he refused to promote the movie. He just – he hated being on the set. The Abyss was obviously about an underwater movie where they discuss – they dis, – they, um, they find potential underwater alien life, and it all goes from there. It's a good movie. It's a very interesting movie about going to the depths of the of the ocean and discovering life. It's incredible, but like intelligent life, amazing intelligent life. Very very different movie. Very good movie. People ultimately forgot about it. Excellent film though. Um, but there's a huge article from thethings.com about uh, whether Ed Harris punched James Cameron. Um, but he felt like J James – Ed suggested that we felt like guinea pigs in a way. Um, there was a scene, a drowning scene he was in. He was screaming at the main character, Mary Elizabeth uh, Mastrantonio, who was in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. She played Maid Marian. Um, he was slapping her. It was an intense scene because she essentially had to drown 
in order for them for him to bring her up. And it was an intense movie. I mean, all shot in the water, and it's it's a lot. When it's different, you shoot above ground, it's a different type of feeling. When you're shooting underwater, different different atmosphere altogether. So that being said. This was this was James Cameron from the beginning. Yeah, he is he's a he is a perfectionist. He works he's just as machismo or just as masculine at the time he was as the guys he was directing, screaming and yelling at people, demanding things his to be to be his way or nobody else's and, and nobody else's. So he was an absolute. He still is. I mean, I don't. Still to this day, he is a lunatic. He's obviously much older and much tireder, but he's been doing this for for fucking what 40 50 years now um but he's threatened he obviously threatened to fire people he's screamed at people he's probably been punched by people he almost drowned certain characters he's yeah he he's no different than anybody he's exactly what you'd expect from a big time hollywood director whether it be michael bay whether it be whomever he's he's of that ilk the newer ones, like uh, like Christopher Nolan, I think that they come across a little more subdued, a little more creative, a little more in your face. I mean, but he's James Cameron is still of the old, old ilk of the old school directors. He's a lunatic. Now, like I said, the hardcore feminist thing. It's like I don't know what you mean. You've had five different marriages. You've dated a whole bunch of chicks. Some of these apparently inter uh, overlap. As far as like there's – like when you look at the – okay, Sharon Williams, they divorced in 1984. He married Gail Earnhardt in 1985. That's pretty fucking close. Are you going to recover? Are you going to take some time to reflect? Maybe you can do things better? No, we're just going to go ahead and get married one year later and then move on from there. Or maybe maybe he was – okay, maybe he was separated from, from Sharon Williams for several years. That might be possible. He was just getting back in the, da- the dating scene. But here's the thing. History repeats itself. 1985, 1989. In 1989, divorced, immediately marries Catherine Bigelow. Catherine Bigelow, that lasted for two years, divorced. Okay. How long did they, How long were they together? Da, 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 da. It's like, why? Did they fall out of love with each other? Why did they get married to begin with? How would it happen so shortly? Was he seeing anybody in the meantime? 1991, they divorced. And then all of a sudden, it, Linda Hamilton, 1997. So what was he doing between sick between 1991 and 1997? I'm pretty sure he had to have been just fucking blowing chicks up that entire time while he's being a quote radical feminist. I'm talking about. Listen, this is my this is my boy here who made some of the best movies, uh, best action movies of all time. This is my guy here. But listen, my guy can be a hypocrite big time about all the shit he says about being a radical feminist. Uh, big supporter of women. Big supporter. Fucking women. Linda Hamilton, 1997 to 1999. And Linda Hamilton definitely had her issues for sure. But at the same time, I mean, well, how long was he dating her? Let me see here. How long was he dating uh, What's Her Tits? Uh, Linda Hamilton. While directing Terminator 2, Judgment K, he started directing and they married. Okay. James Cameron started directing Linda Hamilton in 1990. They married in 1997. So obviously they were together for quite some time. Oh, yeah, their couple had a daughter. Here we go. Their couple had a daughter. The couple had daughter Josephine on February 15, 1993. So he was with Linda Hamilton for from 1991 on. 
Well, there you go. And then obviously in 1997, they, okay, they married in 1997, they divorced in 1999. And in 1999, wouldn't you know it, boom, Susie, Susie Amos. Susie Amos, uh, after directing her in Titanic, James Cameron started dating Susie Amos in ni- September of 1998. 1998, September 1998. And started dating her in 1998. He was still married to Linda Hamilton. Still married to Linda Hamilton. Now, don't get me wrong. Linda Hamilton actually still gets along with James Cameron. They still... He actually does. He gets along with her. They were married for a very, very long time. Linda Hamilton's a very, very gracious person. She's apparently a very, very sweet person who deals with bipolar disorder and all that stuff. But he was seeing Susie Amos. The question is, how does this overlap if it does? But it's like, don't tell me you're a radical feminist when you've been married five fucking times. That's, there's, there's, that's this, the two don't line up. And then he tells me about – then he talks about on Veg News – uh, he, he thinks the future vor is the best way to describe ve- vegans. James Cameron rethinks the term vegan to remove any bad connotations. We're eating the way people will eat in the future. We're just doing it early. Vegan or plant-based, blah, blah, blah. Um, is James Cameron vegan? He's been a future vor. Great. Let's just fucking change the terminology since 2012. Uh, first solo died, blah, blah, blah. Obsessive filmmaking style carries over in his personal life where he investigates. Okay, I don't care. Talk to me about your bullshit diet. Um, James Cameron's work in vegan films. Well, Cameron, uh, blah, blah, he also produced a vegan documentary, The Game Changers, alongside Arnold Schwarzenegger, which they, wow, this bitch fucking, look at this, Game Changers, which was a, which film had a ton of flaws in it, which was actually exposed by Michael, uh, Lane Norton. Lane Norton blew that fucking movie right up. Arnold Schwarzenegger, S-C-H-W-A-T-E-R, S-E-N-A-G-E-R. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, it's completely misspelled. She didn't even bother to look it up. Um, influential in his own right, game changers follow elite athletes to dispel the myths about how eating animal products is required for optimal importance, optimal performance. It is. You can be you can be vegan with optimal performance as long as you take steroids, which is banned in professional sports. Um he talks about his vegan food food ventures and stuff like that, but look, at the end of the day, being vegan is not the healthiest thing. It's not. It's not it's not even the healthiest diet. It really isn't. It's not the healthiest diet. There's a lot of other diets out there that people they cannot be vegan. They will fucking die if they go that route. Their body will fall apart. Um, it's just not it's just not sustainable. It isn't. First of all, the idea of having just completely plant-based society is not sustainable itself monocrop agriculture will absolutely destroy shit tons of wildlife so if you're talking about saving wildlife forget it you're literally doing the exact same thing that you're trying not to do you're just killing a different type of them it's fucking silly so at the same time so james cameron if i was to take um if i was to take the vegan and feminist thing out and just simplify it down to simple dude terms. Who is James Cameron? Huge director, eats like shit, and fucks a lot of bitches. That's James Cameron. That's what James Cameron does. 
That's what he's always done. Nothing against those bitches and nothing against those shit, that shit diet. You do you, bro. But at the same time, don't tell me you're a rad femme and don't tell me you're a future vor because that's not how it's going to go. How do you, how do you know what the future is going to be like when we have a really hard time even trying to record the past? Chances are our future is going – we are going to be – in the future, we're going to become the past and somebody and another generation of whomever the fuck with nothing to look back on because it's all been buried like Atlantis is going to start anew and do the exact same thing all over again. Like I said, James Cameron fucks a lot of bitches, eats like shit, makes huge-ass movies. And when I talk about huge-ass movies, no joke. He's got three in the top five of bank all time. Avatar, worldwide lifetime gross, $2.9 billion. At number three, The Way of Water, the sequel that just came out, $2.3 billion. Titanic, that came out in 1997, $2.2 billion. The guy has essentially, I believe, he's probably got $10 billion in in, uh, in lifetime gross across all of his movies over lifetime. I mean, True Lies, Terminator 1, Terminator 2, um, Titanic, Alita Battle Angel, I mean, that, I mean, he had uh, essentially some of those were flops. Battle Angel was a flop. Uh, the Abyss was a flop. Shouldn't have been. Um, but he, the guy has always and he's got docu- amazing documentaries as well. But look, he's not what he claims to be. He's obviously uh, um, an amazing director, in, in, cr- creative essentially. But his premises are pretty simplistic. Avatar, very simplistic premise. Terminator. Man comes, uh, robot comes back in time, kills a bunch of people. Another person comes back in time, tries to stop him. Okay, fine. There was a war, a future war. Comes back in time. Look, not talking shit about it. How it was put together, obviously, the 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 mind of a creative genius, it took is what it took to put that whole thing together. But the premise itself, I'm sure, has been thrown around back and forth in all kinds of production meetings. It's just that he was able to take the ball and run with it. And the fact is that in that at the same time while he was running oh sorry at the same time while he was making three writing three movies at the same time two of them which he's, he raves about and one of them which he can't he thinks is amoral luck luck First Rambo, Rambo First Blood Part 2 is one of the best action movies of all time. One of the best 80s action movies of all time. It made Stallone, with Rocky, with the help of Rocky, rose him to superstar level. Superstar status. And it also shined a light on what was, helped shining a light on, on more on what was going on in Vietnam with POWs and stuff like that. It played upon a real premise. And the movie had, for all its cheesiness... Because 80s movies had cheese, a lots of cheese, American cheese. It had morality to it. It had reality to it. It played upon some really heavy, heavy notes, some heavy topics. So as far as I'm concerned, James Cameron, you're my boy, but you're doing, you're saying some stupid shit. Knock it off with the veggie stuff. I mean, yeah, you, you fucking, yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger is, he's older. See, first of all, Arnold Schwarzenegger 
he's vegan. He may be vegan now, but the Arnold Schwarzenegger that came that was out there in the 60s and 70s as a bodybuilder, he could not have sustained that body even with the steroids. Even with the steroids, if he was just eating vegetables, if he was just vegan, he could not have been, never would have been Mr. Olympia. Not even close. He never would have beat anybody. Mike Mentz, nobody. Would have never happened. He would have gotten his ass handed to him. And he never would have become who we thought he'd become. And if you are just straight vegan, your body's not going to recover as quickly if uh from all the workout sessions and stuff like that that testosterone your testosterone really does need that meat it really does i'm telling you it does unless you go with this processed meat shit that stuff essentially is you're just taking all the nutrients out of that meat that white meat that red meat that fish meat and that eggs and you're essentially just well according to the guru essentially these meats and these vegetables will be to the point where we're just starving to death because there's no actual nutrients in them so, uh, in the meantime, we're coming up on 48 minutes. Uh, you guys have any questions, concerns, comments, you can email me directly, positive sarcasm at outlook.com. Uh, like, subscribe, share, donate, positive sarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Merch wear um, affiliate link for Weeble in the description down below. Uh, if you have any other, you know, questions about like james cameron or just go ahead and look him up he's on i am just go to imdb.com look up james cameron there's all kinds of information uh about him but at the end of the day there's a lot of hypocrisy to the things he says and then he does especially with the feminism stuff especially with that okay guy who's been married five times sure let's call him a feminist fuck out of here in the meantime available anywhere where podcast audio is available uh, video is aired exclusively at this time. Facebook.com slash POS Sarcasm and Rumble.com slash, uh, for sar- Positive Sarcasm. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Positive underscore Sarcasm, Facebook.com slash Positive Sarcasm, and also on Spotify, but I'm working on the video portion of that. Eventually, I'll get it on there if I find some freaking time. In the meantime, thank you for listening, watching, and subscribing, and I'll talk to you all next week. Recorded here from the Spare Parts Studios. This has been a positive sarcasm presentation.
to destroy us.